0: And that's how you get thrown out of a chicken restaurant in College Park, Maryland. Uh, hey, hey, welcome in. Uh, this is Jason Anderson. We're doing a special uh, Washington Spirit NWSL Championship uh, episode of Filibuster. Uh, the game is at 5 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. It's on Fox Sports 1. If you're hearing my words right now, you are obliged to watch it. it that's a legal contract. Um, Adam's not here to tell me that it's not legal, uh, and he's the lawyer of the show, and he can't stop me. Um with us, and by us I mean me, because I threw this together at, like, one thirty in the morning last night, um, is, and I'm probably going to mispronounce your name, because we just talked about this recently, and I was, uh, not ready, uh, Stephanie Young, uh, welcome to the show, um, go ahead, you're about to, uh,
1: you nailed it, Jason, I did, does that pronounce Anderson, Anderson, I,
0: I will accept, uh, both of those, um, I, I I'll, I'll accept pretty much any name that's not completely derogatory. Um, Steph, I'm going to ask you a question that we um, our shows have in common. You do a podcast called Two Drunk Fans. Um, you open with a question that we've been opening with uh, forever as well. Um, the question is, what are you drinking?
1: I am having a Shipyard Pumpkin Head. Uh, Shipyard's a great kind of local northeastern brewery in maine and it's fall which means everything pumpkin is happening and this is one of the better pumpkin beers out there so but just one because i have to fly early in the morning for the very thing we're talking about
0: that's a you know because you're 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 north of here by a, a couple hundred miles you're actually um getting a little more of the weather that would necessitate pumpkin beers i'm not ready yet um, the calendar says I should be ready, but the temperatures outside have said not yet. Um, but, uh, I, I'll have to look out for that one. The pumpkin beers can be hit or miss. Like if they, if they go bad, they're real bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know a couple people who say shipyards, not for them. It's a little too sweet, but I really like it. It's the first pumpkin beer I ever had back in the day. Okay. When I was new to New England. So special place in my heart and my stomach.
0: Um, I'm trying to. Th- I think. I think Shipyard Brewing is available in the the DMV for for our listeners. Um, you might have to look hard for it, but it, it is out there. I've I've seen it on shelves, or at least where I live. Um, you can. I guess you can all come down to my house, and I'll I'll take you on a tour of the local liquor stores. Um, which, unsurprisingly I have strong opinions about all of them, and there are a bunch. Um, I am drinking a not, a non fall drink. I have a Mexican mule which is a Moscow mule, but with tequila. Um, I bought, I think I mentioned this a couple episodes ago. I bought a bottle of Espolon Reposado um, because I could not locate my preferred Reposado, which is Technico. It looks like, a. the bottle looks like a luchador. Uh, Espolon has not displaced Technico at the, as the, I guess the best way to put it would be the belt holder. I think there are belts in wrestling, right? Um <laughs> I've I've already gone for a metaphor of a sport that I don't fully understand, which is common practice for us. Um, Espelon is fine, um, but uh, a Mexican mule is definitely a summer drink. But I had one last can of ginger beer, and I have limes, and I'm trying to get – I'm trying to figure out what to do with this tequila. So this was an experiment. Maybe. Uh, I am unfortunately not flying to the final, so I guess I could. Um, I do have writing to do. And I feel like it might suffer a little bit if I went with shots.
1: On the other hand, benefit a little bit if you (laughs) do some shots, loosen up, man. You know,
0: that is not truth in there. Either that, or that's just not a good compliment for my writing in general. (laughs) It would definitely improve (laughs) if you just got wasted. Um, Anyway, uh, I'll I'll, I'll have to think about shots once this is empty, though, because it will be empty. let's talk about the 2016 NWSL Championship. First of all, the fourth championship the league has had, which is already a, uh, a major accomplishment in and of itself. Um, I should have told you I was going to ask you this. Um, how, how big of a deal is this that the league has even gotten to this point?
1: I think at the beginning of season four, it was a big deal. And then as the season's progressed and the league overall kind of looks steady, it's like, All right, whoop de doo we read season four, what's next? We, you know, we gotta be asking what's season five gonna be like, what's season six gonna be like, because I think the leak does look fairly, like, it's got its legs underneath it now, and it's staggering forward like a little newborn lamb, delicious little lamb, I'm so
0: hungry. (laughs) Oh wait, have you not eaten dinner?
1: Um, not enough for the amount of alcohol that I just had, so... (laughs)
0: That's, uh, I, I also, I've done the exact same thing, um, which is kind of a custom of the show, which might explain the rambling that is a, now a hallmark of filibuster. Um, I often skip dinner until it's over. So that's a good idea. We're, we're experienced podcasters.
1: Definitely. I've been doing this for two years now, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and here we are making a basic, very major mistake, not being physically ready to podcast. Um. Yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, the the talk this year hasn't been like, will they make it through to year five? It's been like, so what about expansion? How can we make this thing better? Um, How can we uh, move on? I mean, now it seems like there's more of a two factions or, or multiple factions of ownership trying to push the league in the way they want it to go. Whereas before, especially with the previous leagues, it was like, let's just keep this thing, you know, on the road for another year. And then we'll talk a couple years from now about bigger and better. Um, we're already at the the bigger and better stage with things.
1: Yeah, I think it's great that when people talk about expansion, it means they're taking 2017 and 2018 as givens. Mm-hmm. And, and they're especially, I, don't, I haven't heard too many people go as far as 2019 for the next World Cup, but the implication is there. It's very heavily there. And I think that's the most exciting part of hitting Season 4, not Season 4 itself. This season as a total, like as a sum total, was actually kind of like average as sports seasons go there are some standouts here and there but you know i don't know if you could necessarily point to one or two overarching narratives here but um yeah that's i think that's really cool that we're all just like well when's the better year for expansion as opposed to can we even expand do we have all the original oh my god is somebody taking their team and folding and like running with the money because that may or may not have happened before in previous (laughs) leagues
0: we we actually had to recount that recently on the site. We looked back at the Washington Freedom's um, two thousand three Founders Cup win, and unfortunately, we had to delve into what ha- what followed that, which uh, became Magic Jack, which became a disaster very quickly. Um, that does not appear to be even remote, like a remote possibility right now. There's no like that owner might be a real problem. There are owners where you're like, I don't know about these guys, but there's no one where it's like this is. These are the people that could screw this whole thing up. Um which is a pleasant case to be in to look around and be like, you know, this might there might not be like an idiot in the room.
1: It doesn't seem like there's anybody there who's going to I don't think we're gonna get St. Louis Athletica again.
0: Yeah, and uh I mean that in and of itself is is pretty huge. Not just that the league is still standing, but that all the clubs appear to be even even the worst run clubs appear to be solid enough. They have flaws. They have things they need to work on, but they're not like, are you guys going to be okay? Uh, do you need some help? Everyone seems to be up on their own two feet and and walking, which is, is pretty nice. Um, speaking of, uh, one of those clubs that has maybe not been considered a model franchise, um, the Western New York flash, despite that are in their second NWSL championship in four years. Um, they finished fourth in the table this year. Uh, nine wins, five ties, six losses. Um, the highest scoring team in the league by, I think, five goals over Portland. They ended up with 40 goals in 20 games. Um, unfortunately, uh, Stephanie, as you are painfully aware, a lot of those goals came against your Boston Breakers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I won't make you relive all of that trauma more than I just did mm-hmm. um, by mentioning it at all. Um, but... The main, I mean, the the main thing with the Flash and their goal scoring exploits has been a, the ridiculous success of their front line with uh, Lynn Williams and Jess McDonald. Lynn Williams just was named MVP. Was that today or yesterday?
1: I think it was today because it also broke with the news that Jill Ellis is calling in all those new people into camp.
0: Right. Right. So, okay. That, so, yeah. I, I, another podcasting flaw: unable to tell what day it is. <laughs> um. But yeah, yeah. Um, Williams is the MVP. She was just named that. Um, I'm going to pretend like I knew all along. Um, what's the secret with that forward pairing? Why are they so effective as a duo? I,
1: I mean, I hate to reduce it to just they're fast and strong, but um, on one level it is because they're just fast and strong. They can get behind a lot of back lines. Now, The caveat there is a lot of players are fast, but not all of them are fast and intelligent enough to use that quickness well, which is, you know, the other component for uh, Williams and McDonald. I think they pair well together too. You can have two forwards who are individually brilliant, like Christine Sinclair and Alex Morgan, but if they're not clicking, then what's the point? So it's a combination of those two in particular working well with each other and, I think it is important context to note that, yes, Western New York Flash did play Boston four times. And when you, you know, score four or maybe seven goals against a team, that, that, that's important context. But everybody who, you know, doesn't want to deal with that is like, oh, you're saying Lynn Williams is a bad forward. I'm not saying Lynn Williams is a bad forward. She's a great mm-hmm. forward. She just happened to play a really bad team. So, you know, great forward plus bad team equals slightly inflated stats. That's all I'm saying. But it, she is a great forward, and if you look to the game that she just played against the Portland Thorns, which are certainly not the Boston Breakers, that's all the evidence you need to be like, it's not a fluke. It's just that she happened to play a really s- shitty team. Um, yeah, I I really like uh, their ability to get behind without being off. That's another thing. That's the intelligence part, because there's mm-hmm. tons of forwards in this league who, like, they'll be off five, six, ten times a game. And it's just, you know, what's the point? So,
0: right. and, Yeah. And to, to, to bring up the the breakers as a comparison here, uh, the Spirit only scored two goals in two games against the breakers. And one of those was a third-minute shin bicycle kick. Um, so it's not like it's a given that you're just going to show up and score a ton of goals on Boston. Um it happened a lot, but it didn't happen automatically. Um, and so the Flash do deserve some credit for going out and actually making it happen. Um, other teams in the league, you know, no one scored seven on the breakers other than the Flash. So um, they did play a weaker opponent, but they did make it actually count. So you have to give them at least some credit um, for... Uh, yeah, it was, it was um, an unpleasant number of goals. I watched the 7-1 game all the way through. Um and uh, it was like a please make it stop kind of thing. But that's the only game this season that happened like that. So um, as much as it did pad their stats, I do think that you also have to acknowledge that it probably wouldn't have happened if if the Breakers were paired with Sky Blue or the Spirit as their team that had to play four times. They probably wouldn't have had those um, super high-scoring games. So um, it kind of underlines that if you if you open up against the Flash, you're probably in deep trouble. Um, I guess is the best way to put it. You were actually at the the game this past weekend. You went out to Portland um, and were in in the stadium for the Thorns four three overtime loss. That was a tremendous advertisement for the NWSL. Um, give us give us an idea of of why things went the way they did for the Flash. Why how did this actually how did they pull this thing off?
1: Um. I think you also need to credit uh, their third forward there, Mackenzie Doniak, because she burnt Megan Kligenberg for every single one of the 68 minutes that she was in the game. Now, I think that is a weakness of Doniak's and that she doesn't seem to be a full 90 player. Like, it's been the whole season. Why isn't she a full 90 player right now? You know, Mm. Um, but for those 68 minutes that she was in, Megan Kligenberg could not handle her. For a single second. And then after Megan uh, Doniak was out, they subbed in Taylor Smith. And Klingenberg couldn't handle Taylor Smith either. Now, I know that part of that is more of a reflection on Klingenberg and herself. But at the same time, it's a, it's as you pointed out with Boston. Yes, they they were playing someone who wasn't as good as them. But at the same time, it takes skill to take advantage of that situation. I mean, if you're bad and you play a bad team, it's just two bad teams. So right. one of you has to be good in order to make the result happen. Um, I do think part of that game was influenced by the referee. There was a bad non-call in the box where one player kind of like scissored another down with her legs and the ref mm-hmm. just didn't care. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think if you take your legs and you like swing them into someone else and knock them down in the box, that maybe there should be like a, a call or something. I don't know. Um. But that you know, it went on called and then Western New York scored another goal and I think from that point on Portland was chasing the game. The whole time they were chasing the game from very early on. And that's you know, even though Christine Sinclair turned around and immediately scored a captain's goal, like in kind of, you know, her, justice for the situation.
0: Her, her anger goal.
1: Yeah, her anger goal <laughs> where she literally said, I was mad, so I shot it and it went in. Um they shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. It's very different. Um, dealing with a 1-0 game than it is trying to come back from two down. And then, although, once again, to credit the Western New York Flash, just because Portland had to chase the game, you know, the Flash gave them something to chase, especially in overtime when they put those two goals away really quickly and made it 4-2. And then, yeah, I I think... um. It was their forwards, but part of it was also their their defense, which included McCall Zerboni in the midfield, which she kind of painfully, what well, used to be a Boston Breaker, and now I'm talking about her being on the championship team. Uh, I think Portland gave uh, McCall Zerboni way too much space in the midfield. I remember several times watching her running from within her own half all the way through this huge, like past the center circle and into the attacking third of Portland. I was like, "What is?" You just can't let anybody get away with that, let alone McCall Zerboni, who is very small but packs, like, a lot of power for the punch. She, man, in a physical fight between her and, (laughs) I don't know, a, a larger player like Lindsay Horan on the Thorns, I'd bank on Zerboni every single time. And then backing her up, you know, there's Samantha Mewis right there, willing to take advantage. So... If you give those two, Zerboni and Mew, a space in the midfield, you, you're you done.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought up the, the physicality. I mean, Zerboni appears to be like a ball of muscle. Um, and so she's she's known mostly for being tough in central midfield and winning the ball and being someone who's really difficult to play against. But, you know, as you're saying, it wasn't just her ball-winning ability. It wasn't just her physicality. It was actually her ability to find space and take advantage of it with the ball. Um, And that kind of, that physicality really kind of is emblematic of how Paul Riley. not that he'll be able to uh, coach in the final, but how he has his team set up. Um, They are fast. They're physical. uh, They play aggressive soccer in all senses of the word. Um, Mewis obviously is pretty much a mismatch against anyone she lines up against physically. And she also happens to be, Really, really damn good uh, at the soccer side of soccer, um, and that's the kind. Of, that's the kind of thing that the Spirit will need to be uh, a little alert to. I was actually looking up, um, looking at some numbers uh, from the Spirit season, and I, I checked them against everyone else. They actually had the least fouls committed in the entire league. Um, I don't remember the Flash's number; it was significantly higher. Um, <laughs> and and part of that is just the Spirit slow the game down, so they just there isn't as much hustle and bustle but also the flash have no no qualms about slamming into somebody to try and uh win the ball and they actually they really made that happen in portland they really forced that style of game on the thorns who maybe don't want to play as slow as the spirit like to do but they are certainly more of a possession team they like to play a more controlled game and the flash made them play a track meet um and that really like you said, they were chasing the game and they, they really were literally chasing the game. They were they were having to uh run and run and run forever. Um and that's really a major thing. If if the spirit can avoid that, they're probably going to win the game. If they can keep control of the tempo, they'll be in business. Um you mentioned um uh, Mewis. Um it seems to me like she's been improving as the season has gone on. Um the Olympic break doesn't seem to have really thrown off her her progression, she seems to have come back and immediately felt, you know, right back in where she needs to be. But uh, her role has kind of changed uh, since uh, Leanne Sanderson, who they picked up pretty late in the season with a trade. Um, they brought her in to be a number 10. She tore her ACL. She's she's done for the year. Uh, against Portland, that was uh, Mewis's role, which was to play ahead of Abby Ersig. How, is, how do you think that looked uh, in person? And what do you think of her her odds of being successful in that kind of spot uh in the final. I I
1: mean I'm generally impressed with Mewis. I do think she maybe needed a little more time to adjust to that role because when you're playing in the ten role, you do tend to be more noticeable just by the nature of that ten role, but for me I wasn't seeing Mewis pop up as as much as I would hope for a 10. I mean, my favorite 10 of all time is kelly smith so i'm a little bit spoiled there and <laughs> like maybe that shouldn't be the benchmark by which i measure people um i thought she was fine um and she you know what didn't she have a, a goal in the game so yeah, she had
0: the, the opening goal
1: yeah she was fine i think when she settles in more I don't think she needs to do too much more settling in. She'll be even more fine. And I think she's got a defense that she can rely on behind her, not just Cerboni. But um, you know who I really like on that defense, who doesn't really get talked about much, is Elizabeth Eddy. Uh, I like this kid on the wing opposite Jalen Hinkle. Hinkle, whatever. I really like Eddie. She's tough. She doesn't take guff. I thought she was a lot better than her counterpart, Megan Klingenberg, on that day. So... And then between that, they've got Urseg and... Um, the name just flew right out of my head as the other CB. Alana uh, Kennedy? Yeah, Alana Kennedy, who's pretty decent. Um, that's a good center-back pairing. I, I I think when you're confident in that and you don't feel the need to kind of help double up with uh, Zerboni, pushing forward, she'll be fun to watch. It,
0: it's it's interesting you, you bring up Eddie and... and to bring up Klingenberg again, because some of our, our listeners that might only be just jumping in towards the end of the season with the spirit, um, we've been sort of badgering, uh, a lot of our readers on, on, on black and red United to, uh, get into this and, and pay, pay closer attention if they weren't already. Um, because we're, we're pushers. We're mean. Um, we're going to, and it's going to keep coming, uh, for, for those listeners. If you, if you would like us to stop it, it's not happening. Um, but it's interesting to see the the gap between women's national team players and players in the NWSL really isn't as great as the perception might be because the perception is that the women's national team is like a fixed group of players. Most of them this recent roster, notwithstanding most of the time, it just seems like these are the players and that's the, that's that, you know, mm-hmm. there are a couple of players on the fringe, but mostly it's, this is the group and Klingenberg has been firmly in the group for years now. And yet, When you see a game like this where she was struggling and the opposing fullbacks uh, on the much less touted Western New York Flash, I mean, there was that that great contrast, um, uh, the U.S. soccer – the women's only U.S. soccer account because, of course, there are two of them because you definitely need to separate the programs – they tweeted out one photo of all of the thorns women's <laughs> national team players, and then there's just Sam U.S. by herself. Um, and yet her team comes out comes out in front, and it's part- partially because these players like Elizabeth Eddy, like Jaylene Hinko, who has at least had you know her looks in with the national team, and that'll probably continue going forward because there aren't really that many left backs in the United States, uh, regardless of gender. Um, but. It's it's really fascinating to watch these players who no one really talks about outside of the league and they prove that they are capable on on not just on on one day but they're capable on on a somewhat regular basis to be as good as the players that are in the in the club so to speak.
1: Yeah, I think that's true and then you look at these players who are being called into this this latest lineup for the camp against Switzerland and you're like, yeah, Yeah, we've been, a lot of people have been saying a lot of these names for a really long time. And, you know, part of it, you can blame Ellis not wanting to rock the boat for the past two years because they had World Cup and Olympics. But I think in that World Cup Olympic gap, there was certainly enough time to bring in, you know, a couple players, get them integrated and try to work them out, especially with Megan Rapinoe out with that ACL injury. And we all know how that turned out. So, yeah, I, I think. If you take the the creme de la creme of NWSL, like the top 22 players, top 22, 25 players, you could definitely find a lot of depth for the national team in there. And I think that's what we're going to see now. And I hope Sam Mewis has a great showing. Now, personally, am I kind of rooting for the spirit here? Maybe a little bit. Um, But I do want to see Sam Mewis do well because I think she's the future of this team.
0: Yeah, it's been, I mean... And you know this from from talking to me, but I think it's like the position of all of Black and Red United staff that Mewis is probably underappreciated with the national team. Um, she's been in there; she was an alternate at the at the Olympics, but maybe she should be more than that. Um, but in general, I mean, the, the Flash are kind of that's the kind of the team they are is is underappreciated, and it's it's interesting because the spirit also have this they can play that same card they had no one nominated for any um nwsl season award outside of jim gabara who then did not win coach of the year (laughs) um and then even the nwsl best 11 came out and no spirit player was on the first 11 uh i think crystal dunn was it just
1: yeah dunn Dunn and krieger
0: yeah um which is sort of a reflection of people just voting for names they know um especially when you look at some of the other players that, that made it, that are like, did you really play well enough? I mean, I know um, Kim Little is awesome, but I know the folks in Seattle were like, where is the real Kim Little that, that we've come to know? She's, she hasn't really shown up this year. Um, but I wasn't entirely shocked to see that, because when votes become popularity contest, you you kind of get forgotten a little bit. Um, and the Spirit really didn't have like a goal scorer that made it impossible to ignore. Their top scorer had five goals and missed a chunk of the season with knee surgery. Um, but that I mean, that's kind of, the Flash have the gaudier numbers, obviously. Lynn Williams won the Golden Boot. Um, Jess McDonald was was not far away from battling her own teammate for that, that award um, and had, what, six or seven assists as well? I
1: um, think McDonald... Sorry, just keep
0: going. It, no, it's, like it's, ten, it's yeah. It was a ten lot. 10 goals. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, it's the rest of the team, though, doesn't really, there, there aren't big names. I mean, Abby Dahlkemper has uh, youth national team experience. Kennedy plays for Australia, which is a, is a pretty big deal. Sabrina D'Angelo, the the goalkeeper, is, is um, well, she's, she plays for Canada, but she's actually Stephanie LeBay's backup. And Stephanie LeBay is currently the backup for the Spirit. Um, so that might be a, a, either a point of advantage or someone, someone somewhere is misreading something or the spirit have a market advantage in that category. Um, maybe we'll get to that when we get to the spirit. Um, I guess my last question about the flash is if you're trying to attack them, what, what would you have your team doing to, to get the best out of, um, to create the most chances?
1: I think it depends on the tools that you have. Now, if I'm Portland, I have a talismanic four like Sink who can split even the best defenders like Kennedy and Erseg. Um If I have maybe a team like the Spirit that has Crystal Dunn who can push out wide, I might try to overload on on Western New York's weak side, which I think is the side that Hinkle is on. Um, with all due respect to her, I think between her and Eddie, I would go after Hinkle on that side and maybe try to overload there then, you know, see who can take advantage of that. Maybe that's Stefania Benini. Maybe that's done herself. Maybe, you know, that's Naren. Or if Diana Matheson's on her game, she can kind of sneak in there because she's very small. <laughs>
0: uh, I believe she—well, a piece that Joanna Lohman wrote for the Spirits website discussed— uh, she interviewed Matheson about her, her use of her size <laughs> to take advantage of opponents by just being so small that she isn't noticed. Um, yeah
1: she can literally live in someone 's pocket in the box, just climb right, right in there
0: it These are the kind of tactics you need to win a final is uh to think of everything possible, including like can we get a player who's hidden on the field without anyone realizing she's out there um so hopefully we'll see I would actually really um I would really be over the top if if we saw some attempt from the Spirit to hide Matheson <laughs> while she 's in the game. Um, and it and it actually is effective in, in some way um, or even not, uh, even if it ha- makes no difference at all. Like they tried some sort of weird hide Diana Matheson play. I, it didn't work, but let's move on. I would still I would probably write about that uh, pretty extensively. Um, let's move on since we're already kind of moving on to the spirit anyway. Uh-huh. Um, as as a. A not because we're we're used to talking only for, for it's only people that are around here we have our our guests from out of town occasionally um as an outsider for the spirit what do you what do you think about when you when you look at this team when you have to write about this team what are you thinking about
1: so when i when you say spirit to me the immediate feeling that I get is one of like solid, very solid this season just a a good they went uh twelve five and three um yeah, I, I feel they're not like a team that necessarily wows me, although sometimes they do. There there were a couple of goals this season where the buildup was incredible. There was one, it was like a 20 pass sequence or something. Mm-hmm. It was just beautiful to watch. So solid, but in that good, watchable, calming, not in that kind of dull, stay-door way. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. Um,. As someone watching them from the outside, I was uh, really, really psyched when Boston held them to just a one zero win. But that was the very first game of the season. (laughs) Um, I um for for me, there's also no line in particular that sticks out for me on that team where I'm like, oh, I point to this. For Chicago, for example, I like point to the midfield. Um, yeah, that, that midfield normally, or like. Same with Portland at midfield, or sometimes are forwards. Or yeah, with Western New York, I point to the forwards and be like, that's your... But with the spirit, I see, I see defense, mid, forwards, so I'm like, check, 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 and not one of those lines necessarily sticks out for me in particular, if that makes sense.
0: I think that that's completely reasonable, especially since Dunn didn't score 15 goals this year. Um, once Once you get past that, and the fact that... Jim Gabara has kind of, he's handled mostly, it's mostly the same players, but he's handled the thing, the whole thing very differently um, than Mark Parsons, who really set his team up specifically to find Crystal Dunn and let her do whatever. Um, And there were a lot of games last season where the Spirit weren't really able to take charge of the game, and they were just sort of like, well, we have the ball right now, Let's, let's put it in behind and see what happens. And Crystal Dunn would get there because she's extremely fast, and... The spirit sort of pull results out of even games because of that because they had a game breaking player who could do impossible things and it was just like like a cheat code basically um this year I think Gobara's really been focused on making sure that when the cheat code isn't available when it doesn't work what else what else can this team do um, I think I, I don't even have a number on how many times the spirit changed their front three um but we we've included um Caitlin Buckley, who covers the team, has done an awesome job this year covering the team. Um, she put out a tweet that was just all of the the forward graphics from every game. I think it was through like the first fourteen or fifteen weeks, and every single one of them was different. Um, and it kind of sums it up that every week there's a new look. And Gobara definitely is engaging in some some tinkering. He's looking to find now, at, at the early part the early part of the season. It was just that the Spirit had seven forwards. Um, or six and a half, depending on how you see Matheson. She usually ends up. <laughs> she usually ends up as a forward. I don't. I, this isn't another height discussion. Um, I, I have to protect myself because that laughter was giving me away. No. Um, most of the time plays as a forward for the Spirit, but is sometimes a midfielder. And with Canada, plays as a midfielder. But there was a lot of like, how am I going to get all these? Because the the Spirit already had a bunch of forwards, and then they drafted Shayna Williams and they drafted Callie Farkasen, and it became like. You know, the Spirit are mostly forwards. The, t- the roster is mostly made up of forwards, and how are you going to get them into games? Um, it's been interesting to watch that come together, and in a way, it kind of makes sense that that tinkering that lack of a constant shore lineup does mean you kind of fall back on— um, you, you don't really fall back on one portion of the team. You have to be good everywhere. Um, and even the, the front line with all that chopping and changing, it's still been a good front line no matter – like it, pretty much every combination that has been sent out there has been effective one way or another. Um, I think there was a game where the Spirit had Williams, Stengel, and Ortega all in the field at once and it was like these players are all going to play kind of the same. There's no um, – there's no one that wants to drop underneath. Everyone wants to go forward. Um, and it still managed to work. It was the right call for that situation. I can't remember which game it was. It, I probably should have this available, but I don't. Um, but it's kind of a little a little of Jim Garbar... Jim Garbar has kind of had a uh, a charmed life as a coach this year, but also after 20 games or 21 now, um, it's kind of hard to argue. Like, uh, I found myself at the game that, that, you know, the major question with the Spirit now is actually at the other side of the field with se- the center back situation. And as much as it was like... Why is Megan Oyster not starting? It was also like this team is doing really well regardless of what Gabara does. Like he he change changes players for individual games and it keeps working. And maybe it, maybe I'm used to in the men's game. It's very much a these are the guys that this is the lineup. And coaches in MLS especially love stability. They for the most part they all want to trot out the same team. In the NWSL, there's a little bit more of a willingness to experiment. Maybe it's because the, these are mostly, you know, in most cases, the best players in the world um, in a lot of instances. And so you have maybe more freedom to to get away with it. I, I'm kind of stumbling into a question that I wasn't prepared to ask, but what is your impression of the the league in general with, with coaches going for a little bit more of a individual game matchup strategy rather than saying, these are my players and they're going to start this week and the next week and the week after that?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't really think about that before because it just kind of became status quo for me. But I think you do have you have something there where in NWSL the talent is not as diluted and the players in NWSL do tend to be the best that, you know, in the country at least, but certainly a lot of these players who aren't national team players, they'd be welcome in any other league in the world. Um Maybe not like at PSG or Lyon, but, you know, a, a lot of them could easily find spots mm-hmm. overseas. So I think it does make it easier for coaches to mix and match. I think that's exactly it. Uh, there's, there's more freedom in the roster because the drop-off in talent between starting 11 and then, you know, the three subs you want to use, or even the next six subs that you would be considering mix and matching, it's just not as steep.
0: Yeah, I, I I think that's probably. I mean, it's kind of a question. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm sort of stumbling into it, so I haven't spent too much time thinking about it. But I, th- I think you're on something that um, the players are a little more able to adapt to so many different things going on, so many different changes. Um, I guess I'll I'll go to the center back question, which is where I initially was trying to find my way to. But as always, I just sort of talked myself into a tunnel. Um, Lately, um, I think it's been since, really since the Olympics, um, Megan Oyster, who had been an undisputed starter that a lot of people were really, really excited about, not just in in Washington, but outside Washington, people that were following other teams, were just following the league in general, um, had been untouchable, had been, I think she had started every single match of her career uh, over two seasons um, until the Olympic break, and then uh, all of a sudden she gets dropped for first, uh, Estelle Johnson and then, or I guess it was a Johnson and church at the same time. Um, and since then I, w- I was actually working on a piece about this, that by the time this podcast goes up, may also be on the site. So you might be able to read that and listen to this at the same time. If you're really into, uh, multitasking and, or just overloading your, your senses, which is kind of, kind of what I'm into. Um. Oh my! <laughs> it, read into that, whatever, whatever you want to read into that, go for it. Um, but it's it's been interesting to watch the the spirit go back and forth. Where I I know uh, you've you've been in the the NWSL Slack room that we have for for SB Nation writers, <laughs> and um, aside from that, just being an awesome Slack channel, um, it's also a place where there's been a lot of like, where is Megan Oyster? Um, what's going on? And we don't – here in, in Washington, we don't really have an answer. Um, it's been fascinating to me as a – because it keeps not really going too badly wrong. Um, in the semifinal last week, the, the choice ended up being Church and Shalina Zdorsky. Um And I th- I don't know who asked the question in the press conference, but there was – the question was asked and Gabara said that he thought about Oyster and then he thought about Johnson, and then he thought about Church, and he sort of went back and forth all week before he made his mind and went with Whitney Church, um, who, up until she got that first center back start, we had been thinking of as a center back or I'm not a center back as a defensive midfielder or a right back, um, and then all of a sudden she got plugged in there and has played most, not every game, but most of the games. the 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 fly in the ointment for that because it sounds that makes it sound like well yeah she's going to start the final. The flying the ointment is that the one game that Oyster started after all that was against the Western New York Flash. Um, how do you when you're looking at this situation with, with the spirit center backs? Uh, are you as baffled as we are?
1: So I'm coming from a team that has had their own kind of rotating door with center backs, although it's it's not as much coach's choice as it has been out of necessity the past two years, I'll say. Um, last year we had a center back situation where one of the players was probably better pushed out wide, but there was no better option. And then this year we had a center back pairing that was probably going to shape up to be better than it had been but one of our center backs had to leave for the olympics what are you going to do about that so and then you know later in the year there were injuries and somebody got yellow card accumulation it was just the whole thing boston's had some really shitty luck this year but it's it's over it's done it's it's over <laughs> it's over
0: I, I, I'm, I'm saying this go to reassure myself like yeah, y- it really is over I've been trying not to bring up the breakers as much as possible, but you did that one to yourself. I
1: mean, oh, that trauma, man, it lingers. It lingers. You just kind of have to snap out of it whenever that happens to you, like that fugue state. Um, I really don't know, man. I haven't been watching your center back situation as closely. Mostly I've been listening to you guys yell about church and oyster this entire time and going, yeah, that is a weird situation. Uh, I mean, I'm with you on it. I... I like you better. You know, when you're when it's the other way around, but you're right in that it also hasn't really pit them in the butt yet. And unless it does, you know, it's the same situation with uh Weiss and LeBay. I'll, not not exactly, but in in the sense that you know, you had someone who I thought was fine. And Mm -hmm. although in their case, it was interrupted because LeBay also had to go for the Olympics. And then when she came back, Weiss had pretty much earned the spot. And then Gabara kind of wasn't interested in explaining himself. He was just like, yeah, she's our number one keeper. What that what do you what do you want from me? Um, But in his soothing Jim Gabara voice, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying?
0: Yeah, uh, uh, It. That the goalkeeping situation has been interesting because LeBay did play well. It wasn't anything special, but she was playing strongly enough. Um and then she went to the Olympics as Canada's number one because Erin McLeod was injured. Um and then Weiss did play one game before the Olympics. Um and everyone was like, what, what's happening here? Is this just a like just to make sure she's ready when the Olympics come around, or what's going on? And again, it wasn't really Um, and to be fair to Gobara, he's, he's, the performance of the team has earned him the right to be like, I got this guys. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, just, just trust, trust me. I got this. This is a, this decision is fine. Um, without really getting into the, the nitty gritty of it. Um, but Weiss, I, I mean, I am always hesitant to look at goalkeeping stats because they're always reflective of the team you're playing for. Um, people always bring up goals against average, but if you're on a bad team, that doesn't. You could be an excellent goalkeeper and still have a terrible goals against average because your team is bad and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, other than I guess save every shot. Um, you know, <laughs> if, if you can uh, defy the laws of physics, then so be it. Um, but Weiss did bring the goals against average down a little bit for the team. Um, she was saving, I guess, a higher percentage of shots, um, but it was still. I, I think your read on the situation is right. It was still like. Why is this happening? It's like, well, she's the goalkeeper now, and that's what's going to happen. Fortunately, she's been, she's been really solid. Um, I don't think anyone's sitting around like, oh, why? you know, nervous about Weiss. Or, um, I, I will say at the Soccerplex, I haven't heard people being like, where's Stephanie LeBay? Why is she not getting back in the lineup? Um, at center back, it is something you hear more of. Um, it, you know, people are discussing that issue uh, in the stands a little more. Um, Chicago really kind of exposed. I mean, the issue really with Church is is she's not fast. Um, and Chicago was maybe from the hour mark onward in the 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 uh, semifinal really good at the, the spirit weren't pressing the ball very well, and Chicago played early balls in behind Church over and over again. Um, ironically enough, of course, they get their goal based on. Uh, a ball in behind Shalina Zdorsky, um who otherwise was pretty much spectacular in that game, but she ends up culpable on the goal. Um, but Chicago really, really went after that that weakness, um, and the Spirit really are lucky to be in the final. Um, I was actually behind the goal that Press was shooting at when she hit the crossbar in stoppage time. And when, she, when Weiss came out and then lost her footing a little bit and Press got around her, I was like, this is it, this thing is done. Um, I think there was maybe thirty seconds of stoppage time left at that point um and uh to see the ball go off the crossbar is like this is un- an unreasonable blessing we 're not used to this um in uh in in d c soccer it, it hasn't been uh things haven't been great um they they've been good fairly recently there are maybe some listeners are probably howling about d c United but the fact is that they're probably going to be in the playoffs of the third year in a row it's not terrible. Um, it, the spirit had come a long way. 2013 was a nightmare year. Uh, if you were playing soccer in this era, you probably, you probably shouldn't have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just in general, like, and I'm not just talking about professionals. I mean anyone. You just shouldn't have have bothered. Um, but to see that come back off the crossbar, it's almost like this this team is is living a living a charmed life. It almost at that point, I almost felt like, well, they're probably going to go on and win it just because they got away with it. And To their credit, during the break, they did fix the problem um, by pressuring further up the field, keeping more of the ball, but it still means that you have a thing you need to hide. And if Chicago is able to play in behind for a speed mismatch, Western New York is all about playing fast and playing direct and going in behind and and sending runners after the ball, Um, that might force Gabara to go back to Oyster, or he could go uh, with Estelle Johnson who was really, really solid um, when she stepped in. She didn't play a minute until the Olympic break. Um, she, Zdorsky had the left center back position locked down, and Johnson stepped in like she'd been there all year um, and somehow only committed three fouls in uh, 11 starts at center back. I don't know how you pull that off. I, I guess I'm just a kind of a goon by nature. Um <laughs> So to me, only committing three fouls in a game is unfathomable. It's like, how did you do this? Like, I completely, this is foreign to me. Um, I guess, uh, and this is reflecting my, uh, I only prepared for the flash portion of the show. I didn't have time to write notes. Um, the mir- the midfield uh, for the Spirit, um, no one really got acknowledged, but they've been pretty much the, if there's one area of the team that's been the best, in my opinion, at least, it's been the midfield. What do you think of that trio of Christine Naren, Joanna Lohman, and and Tori Huster?
1: I mean, I would agree with you, and then the, you know, even though I said among the lines, like you wouldn't say, "Oh, that's," you know, clearly the part here that's moving the whole ship. But yeah, the midfield is certainly pretty good. I really, um, the the moment Christine Naren uh, joined up with not just the spirit but like entered the league I had high hopes for her. Uh I think this season she's kind of stepped up a little bit more than she has in past seasons. I think Joanna Loman has had a pretty good season actually. Um once again a former Boston Breaker. The pain never ends. <laughs> uh
0: I'm sorry by the way. I'm sorry that this keeps happening.
1: It's fine. After you suffer a certain amount you just go numb. Um I, 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 out of those two, actually, I like Loman more. Um, Like, with Naren, I think she's, you know, she's got some connectivity and she can certainly hit it from range. I really like seeing her hit it from range. But of the two of them, I f- think I find Loman more indispensable. Like, if you lose Naren, there's there's ways to work around that. But if you lose Loman, I feel like you've lost a lot more in your midfield. Like, you've taken some of the spine out of it, and you need your spine. You need it for things. <laughs>
0: Uh, that's true. I, I, I didn't take too many anatomy courses, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's accurate science, which is a rarity on this podcast. Um, but also I think, I think you're touching on something important, which is that, um, in the semi-final Lohman came off, I think with like 20 minutes to go, give or take. 70th minute,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, this, the Chicago was starting to figure out how to exploit the matchups they wanted, but then Lohman came out. And things got worse um, from there, and it was maybe losing that uh, robust presence in midfield. Someone that's just going to cover every blade of grass and is going to fight for everything. Um, the spirit kind of—it was kind of a weird sub because Matheson came in, but she didn't play in the midfield. Estefania Benini stopped, dropped back into the midfield, um, which is a very aggressive move uh, when you're up one nothing. Um, but the result was, and that I can see some justification because you're increasing your ability to press forward. Matheson is more active without the ball than Benini, but, um, by losing out in the midfield, by losing that level of activity in the midfield, the spirit did seem to suffer a little bit. And I, I kind of get the feeling that that might be a lesson that gets carried over to the final where, if Loman is able to give anything else, she'll be on the field as long as she possibly can, because the spirit really did lose something in the, in that exchange. And it's not that, I mean, you're bringing in Matheson and we're talking about Benini. These are good players. Um, but as far as the balance in that trio, um, it really does that, that trio really is sort of perfectly set up to play as a group. Um, and if Loman has to come out, I, I, there really isn't a natural substitute. It's actually the spirit kind of another thing that spirit have been fortunate about this year is that, um, because of their forward heavy roster, they really didn't have to do very much in the midfield. It was just the same thing. Almost every single game. Um, Linnea Jensen, the uh, Danish international that the spirit signed with, like, I guess it was during the Olympics when that, that happened. Um, she came in and i mean we're talking about a denmark international that has played in the european champions league um and she really she made a couple sub appearances and the only game she started was the midweek game against seattle um that maybe got overshadowed by some other stuff um <laughs> <laughs> one of the strangest uh one of the strangest games i've ever been to in my life was trying to figure out what was going on with that um and uh I don't know how I don't know how Caitlin got through it, trying to cover it as a uh, as a journalist, because there was a lot to cover. It wasn't just, hey, this team uh, clinched a home playoff game for the first time ever. That's a big deal. It was like this is like the biggest story of the year and it has nothing to do with soccer. Um, But, yeah, that was um, another thing that happened that night. Uh, One of the billion things that went on was that um, Sigvarts and Jensen played. She played pretty well. Um, but at the same time, I don't think anyone in that midfield is, is in danger of losing their spot. Um, I guess the, the, you mentioned in the, the first segment, you mentioned M- Mackenzie Doniak, who, um, didn't, I, I, did she play against, uh, I've got my billion notes. Um, she, yeah, I don't think she played against the spirit the last time these teams met, um, but she, she, with Sanderson's injury, injury, there's room for another attacker. So she ended up on the right against Portland. Um, that means in this game, assuming that they don't change anything, she's going to be up against Caprice Didasco, who at the start of the season, that would have been a very nerve-wracking prospect. She looked, Didasco looked very nervous, and Doniak um, actually has a history of scoring on the Spirit when she was at UVA um, in preseason games. She had a knack for a for goals against the spirit. Um but now Didasco actually looks kind of kind of up for this. Uh she's been really solid. Um do you have any any thoughts on, on her progression as a player?
1: Caprice Didasco is one of those people at the beginning of the season, I kind of was like, Oh, okay. And then as the season has progressed, I've just like grown in confidence in in her as part of the back line. The the spirit back line especially without Krieger in it, it's, I I think back to the beginning of the season. And then, yeah, if you had said Caprice Didasco to me, I'd have been like, yeah, she's any one of, you know, a hundred NWSL players out there who, you know, we talked about the top 25 of this league. Well, she's kind of in the next tier in the median, but now I'm like, I have a lot more confidence in her. I feel a lot safer with her back there. If that, I guess I would put it. Um, it, you know, I don't feel as safe with her as I would, for example, like having Becky Sauerbrunn in a situation. But that's that's like a, a, a that's a terrible comparison <laughs> because it's like it's like comparing you know feeling safe behind a riot shield versus feeling safe behind a trash can lid. That's uh, not an insult to Didasco. That's right. like a compliment to Sauerbrunn. So.
0: Right. Um, I, I'd just like to add that, uh, in the next presidential election, Becky Sauerbrunn will be, I believe, age eligible for you to vote for her for president. Um, so let, let's, we, we can get that going. I think I've been pushing for that for a little while. Um, so prepare yourselves for that, for that, um, for the next four years, um, because the election cycle for the next election has already started. Um, oh, God. I know, uh, I think Samantha B covered that and was just furious. Like it wasn't even a joke. She was just mad. Um, the, but, but I feel like we could cure that, the anger by having a Becky Sauerbrunn presidency. Um, I guess it's time we should get to our, our Twitter box questions. Um, we got a few good ones, uh, and, or silly ones there. There's, there's a Venn diagram where they sort of line up. Um, I guess we'll start with the, uh, someone that you work with at the Bent Musket, um, or wait. Yes, you already answered this question. Never mind. Sorry, Jake. <laughs> Your question already got answered. Um, all right. We'll talk. We'll go with uh, Allison Lee uh, at Alleyback, who who covers the uh, the Sky Blue, the Sky Blue. Oh, God. Um, okay, Sky die. Sky Blue FC uh, for Once a Metro. Um, Allison wants to know, who would win in a game of chicken? Uh, Joanna Lohman on Diana Mathen- Matheson's shoulders or Shalina Zdorski on Crystal Dunn's shoulders? Um, this is a very important question that I said we would absolutely get to. Um, so, Stephanie, I'll let you go first. Uh, what do you think of this uh, extremely important issue that we need to tackle?
1: So that's Jolo on D-Math's shoulders and yes. then Shalina Zadorsky on Crystal Dunn's shoulders? Yes. Oh, boy. So, obviously, in a game of chicken, you've got two components. you got your base and then you got your person on top who's jousting it out. So... We compare base to base, that's D Math versus Crystal Dunn. And you know what? I would favor Diana Matheson here. I think she's sturdier, she's lower to the ground, she's got a lower center of gravity. Um now on top, in a in a straight up fight between Jolo and Shalina Zadorsky, I'd also favor Loman. Now sometimes teamwork can overcome individual brilliance, but the question is, do Crystal Dunn and Shalina Zdorsky have the kind of connection that will allow them to overcome their one-on-one matchups? And I don't think they do.
0: And that's that's kind of the point that I was going to bring up, is that we did talk about how Lohman wrote an article about how she is old and Matheson is short. Um, there is no Zadorsky dunn article to match, um, though neither of them have an old or short claim on, on the spirit. Um, dunn is not tall, but on a team with Matheson, she'll never be the short person. Um, and that level of understanding might be, might be critical here though. I, you know, there is a, um, I appreciate that Allison has split, um, split the national sides up. So there's a Canadian and American on, in, in both cases. Um, the teams are even in that, on that front. So we don't have to get into, uh, for, for those that don't know, Stephanie, she has a huge, uh, is a, is a huge fan of the Canadian national team is, <laughs> Um, as well as the U.S. I, I I haven't really figured out exactly how that relationship works, other than that you have strong feelings. Uh, in general,
1: it's a mess. It's a hot mess. That's how I work it out.
0: <laughs> okay, that's I mean that's appropriate. This is for our longtime listeners. Hot mess is is standard. We're we're used to that. Um, so I guess I guess you're landing on the Lohman Matheson team, which I think is is an accurate take on this, uh, again, extremely important topic. Um, I am screwing around with my phone rather than bringing up the next question. Um, Anne Odong, uh, wants to know, does your Southern drawl grow stronger in Texas?
1: I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Actually, we'll, we'll, we'll find out after the, uh, God, even just thinking of Texas in the South makes me want to get twangy. Um, we'll especially find out <laughs> that, after the game. Because that's kind of a Yes. Is the after party, and I'm sure someone's going to record me saying something particularly, you know, yokel-ish.
0: <laughs> this, uh, I, I have to say, uh, I'm really glad that most of my dumb, drunken stories, like the one that I was speaking of at the start of the story, happened before smartphones. <laughs> um, uh, I do have a ridiculous knack for remembering things that I've done while drunk, but... It's good that I'm only able to remember and not able to look back on the video and be like, "Oh, this is much worse than I thought." Um, you don't have that luxury uh, this weekend.
1: No, I'm. Sh- I my my friends at least know that any pictures or recordings of me are going to earn them a one-way ticket to fifth city.
0: <laughs> That's true. There there are many so, tales of of uh, the the violence factor at this is is not something we can discount. <laughs> um, people need to be strategic in how they're going to carry on about this. Um, so be be safe if you're if you're at the NWSL final and you you want to find the answer to this question, be safe is my advice. Um, our last question we got a lot of faves. People didn't. I, I wanted questions, not faves. Um, <laughs> shame on you, listeners, for letting us down. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, Vikas Mendriata, who usually. Uh, has a question for us whenever we put out a uh, question. So he, he is exempt from the shaming that I just put on everybody else. Um, wants to know, what's up with Crystal Dunn's production this year? Way fewer goals in 2015. Um, I guess that is a major question that I completely did not <laughs> bring up at all. Um, Stephanie, what do you what do you think uh, as far as the changing role of Dunn as far as the spirit goes?
1: Uh, well, this season she had two goals, five assists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she's still tied for for a leader on the team in shots on goal. And she's also tied in, in shots total. And I think it depends on how you define production. Because no one who watched Crystal Dunn this season would say that she hasn't created a lot of opportunities. It's just, I think you mentioned it before, Gabara has used her differently than Parsons. Whereas Parsons you know, formulated a lot of the attack to be like, you know, get Crystal the ball and then let her be Crystal Dunn. Whereas Gabara has made it more of a team effort and has asked Crystal Dunn to become more of a creator and she's not necessarily the the tip of the spear anymore. So I think that's part of it. And then another part of it is last season, as good as Crystal Dunn is, last season is still an outlier for her. I don't think she's going to have another season like that anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a rare a rare season in general. Um I mean this year no one came close to fifteen goals in twenty games. Um just saying fifteen goals in twenty games kind of underlines how unlikely that is. Um even though on the other hand I do as I'm saying that the only thing I can think of is the goal done scored against the rain um right before halftime to give the spirit the lead, which was a, a goal that did not really make any sense. Um just she cut in on her left foot and hit an absolute bullet uh, across the frame of goal and into the upper corner that Haley Kottmeyer did her best to get to and it was still like not even, she wasn't even close and Haley Kottmeyer is really good. Um, it was the kind of goal that, uh, I mean, for the, the rain, it kind of took the wind out of their sails until the uh, the customary uh, Washington, or Maryland Soccerplex uh, stoppage in play due to weather um, <laughs> stopped that game for a while. I actually had to um, to give folks a... A little vignette from that night, um, because of the rapino kneeling thing and the the anthem debacle that followed, um I was using my phone so much during the game that I had to I was going to try and talk my way into the um the little building at the soccer plex to hang out um instead of just standing around outside waiting for it to end. I had to hustle to my car to keep my phone alive. My phone was at like one percent, so I had to sprint to my car, turn it on, and just sit in my car with the Charger in to uh to keep my phone going so that I could uh, coordinate with Caitlin and with uh with Ben Bromley uh, so that we could actually get some of these stories published uh, as the news was breaking. Um, but that's kind of a I mean the soccerplex I have no idea how this happens but the soccerplex seems just doomed to bad weather um, even when the rest of the area has good weather. Um, I was very nervous for the semifinal. I thought for sure that my presence there was going to mean that the semifinal would get called before 90 minutes, which uh, has happened before for, for the Spirit against Chicago. They actually got their first ever win on a weather-shortened game um, where they had the lead on Chicago, and I think the game was called at halftime. Um, maybe it was the first home win. 2013, there were only three wins. I should be able to sort them out. Um, it Like I said, no one should have played soccer in, in this region in 2013. Um, To go back to the actual question, which I'm now remembering, had nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Um, Yeah, Dunn's changing role has been pretty fascinating because the Spirit are trying to use her to draw other people um, uh, away from the rest of the team. Uh, Not as a decoy, necessarily, because she gets a ton of the ball still. Um, But it's definitely not—the end goal is not for— plan a i guess is the end goal is not to have done applying the finishing touch it's to break down defenses and then whoever happens to get on the end of it is who gets on the end of it or whoever is going to goal at the end and that's how you end up with a team where no one had a high goal total but benini had five goals uh lowman had four stengel had four after a slow start she she kind of came to life towards the end um I'm trying to. F- I feel like I'm leaving somebody else out that had four goals, and a few other people had three. Uh, Naren had three. Um, Williams, I think, got to three goals in the end. Um, Did Frenier... you say
1: Matheson, Matheson, and Loman had four each.
0: Yeah, Ma- Matheson had four. Loman, Loman got to four, which I believe was like not just a career high, but like more goals than she had in the NWSL up to this point. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a strange way of working that that panned out where you never know who's going to score the goal for the Spirit. It's not a situation. The other teams that were in the playoffs, you kind of, I mean, yes, the Flash have two forwards that can do it, but um, you kind of got a sense of where the goal is going to come from with those teams. And uh, in the end, you know, the Spirit are in the final on the back of uh, the, their opening goal was a Shalina Zdorsky cross to Ali Krieger, who had taken a corner and then run in unmarked to uh, to head, head a goal in. And then the game winner ends up coming from Franny Ordega, who had, I think, seven games that she missed uh, at the start of the season with a concussion. Um, her role had been uncertain. Her The fact that she was starting that game was sort of a – it was a mild surprise, I guess. Um, and then she completely justified it by being spectacular um, and then capping it off with the game winner and her uh, her trademark celebration at this point, which is to like run and like leap and stomp uh, once on the ground. I actually thought she was going to catch um, some players who were celebrating already in the corner because she ran towards them but stomped to their to the side of them and I was worried that she was going maybe in her excitement going to actually run into them um, because Ordega does tend to play a game that is based on a lot of physical contact. She might be the only player for the spirit that sort of fits the way the Flash play. <laughs> um, uh, which is, is a strange... to Her and Loman, I think, would fit right into that style. Um, but yeah, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch is whether Ordega or Stengel gets the start because Ordega was great in the semifinal, but Stengel can kind of, um, be the target player that slow, helps slow the game down, which I think the spirit are going to want to do. Um, and Gabara hasn't been shy about, you know, if you play well in one game, he will still make his rotation the next game. Um, that hasn't he's not the kind of coach that is like well i'll just see if this works um even though i've got a different idea that i think might work better he will make that change if he thinks it's for the best so that's a spot to watch center forward normally when you're in a final you don't think you're going to be talking about like center forward and center back as positions where it could go either way um but it hasn't been a normal year for the spirit um in a good way though uh it's been a, a extremely fun season to watch um I guess we're out of. I should probably have kept my phone open. Um, yeah, we're out of out of Twitter questions. Uh, Stephanie, do you have any anything you want to add about the final in general? Uh, I, I know you're you're headed down there in in a, not too long. It's it's already late in the evening.
1: Um, I'll say I think I'm leaning towards the spirit to win this. But if you lose, please don't at me. <laughs>
0: All right, uh, yes, if, you, if you're if you a listener here and you want to call someone out for predicting a spirit win, call us out and leave Stephanie out of it. Um, she's been through enough this year with the NWSL. Um, so you can criticize the Filibuster podcast uh, Twitter account, which you've probably already done, if we're being honest. If you've listened to the, a bunch of these episodes, you've probably sent us at least one criticism and or a picture of a goat. Um, Stephanie, I don't know if you want goat pictures or not. Um our listeners will send them if I say, please send her goat pictures.
1: Haven't I suffered enough?
0: Okay, no goat pictures for Stephanie. Um, they are We're talking playful goats, by the way. I'm not talking just, like, weird goat pictures, though I guess the very act of sending goat pictures to a stranger on the internet is in and of itself weird. You're
1: not really selling this. Oh, they're playful goat pictures. They're not weird <laughs> goat pictures. Like, what? <sighs>
0: That's true. You've
1: not convinced me at all.
0: Okay, uh, no goat pictures for Stephanie. Leave leave her out of the goat conversation. Just send them to us, and speci- specifically to Adam Taylor. Um, he loves to get goat pictures on Twitter. It's his favorite. Um, definitely a huge fan of goats. Um, I guess. I, I I guess we should do a prediction. You already predicted. You think the spirits going to win? What do you think the scoreline is going to be?
1: I think. Alright, don't get mad. It might be a 2-2 game that has to go to overtime. And that'll be really interesting, because both semifinal games already went to overtime. And, yeah, I I think this game... Because there's no way the Flash aren't going to score. That's pretty Um, much a given with them. Yeah, I think it's going to be 2-2, they'll go to extra time, and Spirit will win it there. They, They have a little more rest. They have maybe slightly stronger legs, so, yeah.
0: Who do you think scores the winner?
1: Ooh, for the spirit! I think it would be poetical if it were Benini.
0: Okay, uh, I'll take that. I'm, I'm, I'm told that I am the the site's Benini stan. Um, even though all I really ever did was like Benini might not be a, at at first there was some doubt about her quality. I said I don't think she's as bad as you guys are saying, um, and this made me instantly the Estefania Benini stan of Black and <laughs> Um which has not let up because of course, um why ever let up see also the GOAT photos that have been coming in for like a hundred plus episodes at this point. Um I'm gonna go I actually thought the semifinal was gonna go to penalties. Um and that didn't quite happen, which was good. I'm glad it didn't. Um so this time I, I'm gonna go with I actually think this game gets decided in regulation. I think the spirit can actually put their stamp on the game and play the style that they want to play and not get caught in a track meet against the flash. Um, It'll help that the flash will be forced to play on grass rather than turf. I think that'll slow things down a little bit. Um, And I think, it'll. I I think two, one spirit will be the final score. And I'm going to go with, uh, I guess it really depends on what forwards actually play for the spirit, (laughs) because it's always a, a question. I'm going to go I'm going to go with a spirit original. I'm going to go with Diana Matheson to get the game winner. Um she has scored game winners in big games before um got got Canada their first bronze medal in soccer via just that sort of thing. I don't think the goal will be as dramatic as that goal. That was a what? 92nd minute goal, I think. It was um,
1: insane and there were, you know, Screens are offside with Kayla and Kyle like, throwing herself down on the ground to, to get out of the way and not be involved with the play. And right. Yeah, that was nuts. So it's not going to be that dramatic.
0: No, I, I don't think anyone's going to have to heave themselves into the ground to, to save to, – to, 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 I was about to say to save the day, but really to prevent uh, ruining everything. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think this goal will be a little more conventional. Um, I think we're probably talking about a similar goal to Ordega's where a good buildup leads to someone with a tap-in at the back post. Um, I'll even go one further. I think Joanna Loman has another goal, uh, another goal in her. I might be making that prediction because Joanna Loman is from Maryland and is the same age as me. And we olds have to stick together, um, because the world is cruel and will, will take us down if we don't stick together. Um, for the flash, I mean, I guess it's kind of basic to, to say, uh, Lynn Williams probably gets a goal, um, it wouldn't shock me if it was on a long throw in given that they scored three long throw in goals against the uh the thorns um but yeah i'm going i'm going 2-1 spirit um and hopefully not the sort of dramatic 2-1 spirit win but maybe this one could be a little more straightforward though i suppose there is the lifelong memory that comes with a extremely dramatic final win i i'll really take whatever win they're going to give but um I have a, I just have a hunch that the Spirit are going to be able to get to play the game that they like to play, which usually doesn't revolve uh, around a lot of dramatic endings. When they control the game, they tend to kind of slow things down and the opponent just sort of wilts um, because they've chased the ball so much. Of course, if the Flash opened the scoring like they did against Portland, the game will probably turn into uh, some sort of lunatic game that requires a lot of screaming and drinking from everyone involved. Um, so I guess you should be prepared for that if you're going to watch the game and you really should, um, prepare yourself for either of, you know, a nice reassuring victory or like the scariest game ever. Um, and probably not much in between. I don't see this game being in, uh, you know, Stephanie, you talked about 2-2. Um, I imagine there's like a fair bit of chaos in that, that prediction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be a fun (laughs) 2-2.
0: Right. So, so, you know, if, if you're, if you have a, a heart problem, maybe like get yourself settled down and, and focus on your, your breathing. Um, maybe watch the game in a, a, a dimly lit room. Um, which is my advice in general, uh, is to watch, watch everything in a dimly lit room. Um, but in, in general, prepare for chaos, but hope, hopefully the spirit will just see this one out because I think they are the better team overall. Um, as long as they don't get into a crazy um, 4-3 epic that, granted, was spectacular for the league to have on national TV, but it's still much better to um, play your way rather than try and win. The Basically, it's the opposite, um, the opposite approach from The Flash. So it, it is a contrast in styles. It should be a pretty good game. Um, I guess that will finally, now that I'm done rambling yet again, that'll be where we end it. Um, Stephanie, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet?
1: Uh yeah, I am at Thrace on Twitter and I write for the Bent Musket, Stars and Stripes FC on SB nation and I do a podcast called Two Drunk Fans with my partner gab Not my not my life partner, my like podcast partner. Well, I should probably be there. there <laughs> Uh
0: Two Drunk Fans is an excellent podcast, by the way. Um it is kind of the women's soccer uh, answer to this podcast you guys are more organized than we are um, which has been shown time and again on this show um, this episode of this show um, but yeah you guys have been I, I kind of kind of didn't mention it much you guys have been doing uh, what are you drinking for a, a long time now um, but our for our listeners that maybe think you stole it from us this is just a question that people ask each other when they drink um, so I guess you know Again, this is a, this is an issue where people should not at you. Um you guys came upon this innocently, I I think.
1: Yeah, because it is called two drunk fans. Right. <laughs> and and in the beginning, we always would have a drink, although as we've gotten older, god, so old, we've both resorted to like water, vegetables and sadness.
0: You're going to have to join team old soon. You have to be sticking together with uh With me and, and Jolo trying to trying to fend off the uh, ravages of age
1: I'm looking at a bottle of calcium supplements right now. So.
0: <laughs> this, the, that'll be the, the next time you're on, it can be what are you drinking? It's like, well, I mix this calcium supplement into my beer to see if it'll help. Um, don't do that. That sounds like an awful idea. Um, but I guess that's, that that'll do it for us. Um, again the the final is five pm Fox sports one on Sunday. Uh, I'm, I'm Jason. I did not have Adam or Ben because I threw this together at the last minute because I'm bad at planning. Um, and until next week, hopefully we'll have a win to talk about. Uh, actually, I don't have a way to end the show because normally we bounce off of each other and, uh, I didn't prepare you for that. So I'm just gonna end it. Uh, thank you for tolerating my, my input and, uh, enjoying Stephanie's. And we'll see you on the next
1: episode.